my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Welcome to Before Breakfast, a production of iHeartRadio. Good morning. This is Laura. Welcome to the Before Breakfast podcast. Today's tip is to make your calendar your to-do list. Many people make to-do lists that have little to do with reality. Tying your intended tasks to specific times on the calendar forces you to figure out what is reasonable and what isn't. Today's tip comes from Jamie Sears' new book, How to Love Teaching Again. This productivity book is specifically aimed at teachers who want to spend more time helping kids and less time getting caught up in administrative work. But there are tips that people in lots of different professions can use. Jamie points out that for many people, to-do lists are not terribly effective. People put down everything that they might like to do in life, and much of it appears very vague. I mean, they'll put things like math grading for teachers, or maybe think about new clients, or staffing problems, with a question mark. What does that even mean? Here is the real psychology of to-do lists, Jamie writes. The list becomes so overwhelming that your brain decides there is no way that it can complete everything. That's when you end up using your plan time to gossip with your teacher bestie, or you use your grading time to scroll through social media. In other words, your to-do list isn't a plan for action. Instead, it's an excuse to procrastinate or set yourself up to fail. Now, contrast a poorly constructed to-do list with a calendar. As Jamie notes, a calendar is a list of things to do at a specific hour or within a defined window of time. On a teacher's calendar, if it is time for teaching reading, the teacher will teach reading. If it is time for a meeting with a parent, the teacher will meet with a parent. As a general rule, people do these things that are on their calendars, whereas there is pretty good evidence that people do not do a great many things that they put on their to-do lists. So why not use your calendar as your to-do list? Longtime listeners know that I advocate carving out time on Friday for planning the upcoming week. On Friday, you make your priority list for the upcoming week, but then Rather than just saying you want to research a potential client, you put it on your calendar for 11 to 12 on Tuesday. 
Rather than saying you want to reach out to Bob, you note that you will do that along with a few other exploratory emails on Friday at 1 p.m. This habit does a few good things. One, it acknowledges this truth. Basically, every task takes some amount of time. So if you are not willing to give the task a specific time, that is a pretty good indication that you aren't serious about doing it. So you might migrate that to-do that you don't intend to actually do over to what David Allen calls a someday maybe list. It is not an active intention anymore. This also forces you to think about how long things will take. If you have never managed to write a certain report in less than two hours, then you will need to give that task two hours. Now, of course, at some point, it might become challenging to find spots for tasks amid the other things that are on your calendar, like meetings, which turn out to be tasks in and of themselves. If these aren't tasks that you value, well, maybe take a good look and see if they need to be there. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But using your calendar as your to-do list forces you to see that you cannot do eight one-hour tasks plus attend three one-hour meetings if you arrive at work at 9 and need to leave at 5 p.m. for a daycare pickup. That is not a matter of how motivated you are or how good you are at your job. It is just a matter of physics. Now, to be sure, Jamie adds the caveat that you are going to need to be somewhat flexible here. Life happens. A teacher might plan to do something before school, but a parent asks to meet about a child who is floundering, and the teacher wants to take the opportunity to brainstorm together. Or maybe the fire alarm goes off during a planning period. People in any job can experience the unexpected. So Jamie recommends building in a few open slots on the calendar. 30 minutes here and there to absorb tasks that need to move, or unexpected ones that come up. She, like me, tries to leave Friday's available slots as open as possible. I think this idea can work for a great many people who have fairly set schedules, like teachers, or many people in corporate roles with a lot of meetings. It can also be helpful for people in any sort of role who have trouble making short to-do lists. Now, if you are a self-employed podcaster who has more control over her calendar and who has been tracking her time for eight straight years, maybe you can do things a little differently. But even if I don't calendar my tasks, when I make to-do lists for a day, I never put anything on there that I do not truly intend to do in the hours I have. That is the point of using your calendar as a to-do list. And so we are really all getting at the same thing. If you try using your calendar as a to-do list, let me know how it goes. And if you are a teacher, or just like productivity strategies in general, please check out Jamie Sears' book, How to Love Teaching Again which is newly out this month. In the meantime, this is Laura. Thanks for listening. And here's to making the most of our time. Hey, everybody. I'd love to hear from you. You can send me your tips, your questions, or anything else 
Just connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Before Breakfast Pod. That's B-E, the number four, then breakfast, P-O-D. You can also shoot me an email at beforebreakfastpodcast at iheartmedia.com. That before breakfast is spelled out with all the letters. Thanks so much. I look forward to staying in touch. Before Breakfast is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.